0: is Nancy Ural and welcome to High Road to Humanity and all the way from Australia today I have Douglas Charles Hudson and welcome Douglas to High Road to Humanity.
1: Thank you very much Nancy for having me on your podcast uh, today and uh, warm greetings from Western Australia to all of your viewers.
0: Well, thank you. I'm really excited, you guys, he's here. This is a really interesting work. Uh, It's called, a new book he has out, it's called Transcendental Transcendental spirituality, wisdom, and virtue. Easy for me to say. The divine virtues and treasures of the heart. This is what it looks like. And let me kind of just preface this and give you guys an idea of what we're going to be talking about today. So what he's done is, and this is really interesting, and I can't wait to hear your story. He's gone to 12 different religions, and he's looked for the most identifiable um, ethical principles that they all hold. I guess that's the best way I can say this. And he calls them the 36 divine virtues. Okay. So he calls them the universal universal ethical principles, um, which actually form the foundation of the world's great religions. And so what he's done in this book is, as we go through, there are 36 different principles And then he gives uh, what the Christians think about it. What do the Islams think about it? How does it apply to Hinduism? So it's so cool. I mean, you even did Confucius and I was just, this is just awesome. So we're going to talk about that today. But before we get into it, this is High Ritchie Humanity, you guys. And I want to mention... Just came across the news. um, And it's interesting how divided the country is right now. So I pulled two different headlines, because we have that much of a division. One headline says statement from President Joe Biden on Supreme Court decision on student loan relief. And if you haven't heard, I'll read just a little bit of this. The fight is not over. I will have more to announce when I address the nation this afternoon. So he talked this afternoon, but he says my administration's student debt relief plan would have been the life time tens of millions of hardworking Americans needed as they try to recover from a once in a century pandemic. This is nearly 90% of the relief from our plan would have gone to borrowers making less than $75,000 a year, and none of it would have gone to people making more than $125,000 a year. And I'm just going to tell you, I don't agree with what he's trying to do. <laughs> um, but I got to get both sides of the story. So the other headline reads, what happened now that S- Supreme Court struck down Biden's students loan handout scheme? The U.S. Supreme Court has struck down the Biden administration's $400 billion student loan bailout in response to a legal challenge by Job Creators Network Foundation. This ruling sets the stage for long overdue bipartisan action to address the underlying underlying reason for this debt crisis unaccountable colleges that have raised tuition by more than double the inflation rate over the last generation and that's pretty much it i'll give my two cents and i can't wait to hear what you have to say douglas but you know here's the deal a lot of us middle class and i can speak for myself when i was in school my dad was an engineer but he didn't make enough for me to go away to college and but he made too much for me to get any kind of assistance. Interesting, isn't it? So I made my way and I did my thing. Now I actually became a real estate broker, very successful, but it's just, it goes like this. So the people like me who became real estate brokers, I should pay my tax dollars towards the person who decided they were going to be an attorney. Is that how we should do this? The other thing is what really bothers me about this is that It makes people think it's okay that you can take out a loan and you don't have to pay it back. It's the idea of the give and the take. It's just take, take, take and no give. And there has to be balance and there is no balance. And people don't work so hard when they think they don't have to pay it back either. And the sad part is I've seen a lot of kids, and I won't mention any names on the show today, (laughs) that have taken this money and just lived on it and not gone to school and just used the money to buy a motorcycle or whatever, Or to party or to live or to just function so they didn't have to work. I've seen a lot of that too. So I'm really happy about this. Charles, I don't want to spend a whole, um, Douglas, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this, but what do you think about this?
1: Well, Nancy, I don't like to interfere in the domestic politics of another nation. Um, Oh, come on. Having said that, I I think that if the uh, Supreme Court of the United States um, had made its decision uh, based on uh, principles of um, social justice, Mm -hmm. uh, which I'm familiar with as a human rights lawyer, or I used to be a human rights lawyer, Mm -hmm. um, if they had made their decision and Obviously, it was a complicated one on the basis of a number of the the divine virtues that I uh, outline in my book, uh, query whether the decision would have been different. I think that's uh, as far as I'll go on that one.
0: Okay. All right. Very
1: complicated issue, but uh, I don't like to pass judgment.
0: I don't like to pass judgment, but I do think you should earn, you should pay, if you take out a loan and you sign a paper that says you're going to pay it back, then you should pay it back because that's, you know, it's like when you buy a house or you buy a car,
1: contract is a contract. Correct.
0: And that's how that works. And so that's my deal on that one. (laughs) All right, let's talk about Douglas Hodgson. He is a dual citizen of Canada and Australia. He's a retired lawyer and a dean and a professor of law residing in Perth, Western Australia. He undertook postgraduate legal study at the University of London before embarking on a 35-year career in higher education in Canada, Australia, and New Zealand as a teacher, a researcher, a scholar, an author, a human rights uh, law, international, human humanitarian law, civil law, and causation law. Professor Hodgson has authored and published 30 peer-reviewed law journal articles and four books. And we're just really glad you're here. Now, I want to know, here's the big question. <laughs> How did you decide, okay, I'm going to go and I'm going to look at all the religions and see what they all have in common, and then put them all down in a book.
1: Well, there are a number of reasons, Nancy. Um, What motivated me to write my book relates to what life is all about. What is our mission or purpose on earth? Uh, I believe that we are here to learn, to acquire um, knowledge of the divine and godly wisdom, um essentially i'm interested in questions that few of us have time really to think about deeply uh, we are so busy and so distracted as individuals in these times that we don't have time to ponder the larger metaphysical questions of life but essentially how can i become a better person mm-hmm. how can i purify my soul How can I elevate or evolve my soul consciousness? Uh, How can I embrace more positive energy in my life and mitigate the amount of negative and destructive energy in it? Right. How can I um, place less importance on superficial external beauty and develop so-called inner beauty spiritual wealth so with those questions in mind i thought i'm going to delve into the holy scriptures of some 12 religions Um, baha'i buddhism christianity confucianism hinduism islam jainism judaism uh, shintoism Sikhism, taoism zoroastrianism
0: i know i was like what is that (laughs)
1: Well, Zoroastrianism and Baha'i are really from ancient Persia and um, modern Persia. Okay. But uh, I looked at Eastern and Western religions and philosophies, Mm -hmm. and I was astounded by the similarities between them. And I was able to identify some 36, what I call divine virtues or universal ethical principles which bind these religions together like an ethereal mortar. Mm -hmm. Um, These principles uh, provide the spiritual, moral, and ethical foundations of these religions. And if we apply these principles in our daily lives, we will achieve that. We will become a better person. We will elevate our consciousness. Yeah. Now, that was the first motivator for my writing this book. Okay. The second reason is, and it brings us back to the point that you were making earlier, discussing the Supreme Court decision. Uh, in my view, at least, uh, humanity at this state, uh, at this period of time, is quite fractured, fractious, and fragmented. Mm-hmm. Um, political bipartisanship Uh, political goodwill, um, the voices of moderation, uh, the so-called middle ground, uh, striving for the overall good of the community. These things have all collapsed and been replaced by what I would call the politics of division, uh, negativity, fear, hatred, extremism, and polarization.
0: Yeah, a little greed in there too.
1: (laughs) And this is very sad to to me. And of course, we are constantly reminded that we live in an age in which we should value diversity and difference. Mm -hmm. And I understand that. I get that. And I don't quibble with it. But it seems to me that humanity has forgotten all about the other side of the equation. And it's failed to focus or concentrate on what unites us, what brings us all together, what unifies us. Mm-hmm. We are all interconnected. Mm-hmm. As individuals, we are interconnected with God, with nature, with this planet, mm-hmm. with the animal kingdom, with all of the processes of nature. Mm-hmm. And we don't realize that.
0: I think a lot of us do. I think a lot of us are waking up to the fact that, you know, we've gotten so far away from God. But I'm going to say something that's a little bit off, but I'm going to just be honest with you. I think all this has been intentional to throw us off from being so connected with the divine, because when people start to realize that we are powerful energy beings who do have this connection with the divine and we do have um, ways to create a different life. I think it's almost like it's good and evil, like they want to divide us, they want to separate us. But I think what's happening, I'll just throw this out there, is that it's making more people think and stand up and wake up and realize, what do you think about that?
1: It is, Nancy. Um, I would describe the era that we live in as an age of ignorance. It's really unconscious separation from God. Yeah. But I, I believe that there is an awakening.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: there are many light workers out there right. that I believe are on board with this. Right. And uh, I'm only one small cog in, in a machine that, that hopefully will bring light. And goodness to the world, but yes, uh, the negativity, the negative and destructive forces and energy out there—it's remarkable. Mm -hmm. And we have to stand up uh, for what we believe and to reinforce that connection with the divine.
0: Right, and that's it. That's really it. It's not. It's just as simple as that. It's as simple as getting up in the morning and brushing your teeth and then connecting with God. It doesn't take that long to do it. You know what I mean? And that's my biggest push. And I want to get into your book here, but that's my biggest push is to get people to realize that we can connect. And when you do, you become more joyful and more balanced and just uh, everything changes like your whole life changes because we're supposed to be connected to the creator. You can say God, you can say source, you can say divine. It doesn't matter. It's the energy that we're like these little computers that have to plug in. You know what I
1: mean? Exactly.
0: Yeah. and
1: As Jesus said, the kingdom of God is within us.
0: Yes. We
1: all have the divine spark in us.
0: Yes. We have
1: to maintain that conscious connection.
0: Yes, that's it. And channel that energy. Yes.
1: Joy and gratitude are are two of the highest vibrational energies. And we need that in our lives.
0: Yeah. I want Okay. If you don't mind, I picked out, I'm so excited about this book, you guys, because it's really interesting. It's really cool that you did this. It just kind of blew my mind. I was like, wow, nobody's ever done this. Um, I picked out a few, you can see my notes here, (laughs) Um, different because there's 36. So we can't go through all of them. It's only an hour show, but I wanted you to address some of these. Is that all right? Can we do that?
1: That's fine, Nancy. Yes.
0: Okay. All right. The first one I picked out chapter three was greed and envy. And um, we, you say envy, discontented or restless feelings arising from witnesses, witnessing another, another's perceived success. And I wrote down, I pulled a couple out. So the Buddhists say any possession that increases the sin of selfishness is nothing but a drawback in disguise. I thought that was interesting. And then Islam says humanity covets gold and silver pleasures by the present world, but God has the excellent nature with him in paradise. And that's what everybody forgets, right? Talk about this.
1: (laughs) Well, how my book is intended to work is that it's meant to be a, a source of daily spiritual nourishment and personal growth. And what I would encourage any readers of my book to do is to make some me or quiet time, um, preferably at the end of the day, go into a nice quiet room and reflect on how the day has gone. Um, How did it go? Did anything upset me during the day? For example, I might have gone to the shopping center and gone on a shopping binge, and purchased much more than my needs require.
0: Okay.
1: Or I I could have um, um, dined out and had two helpings rather than one, Mm -hmm. or three glasses of wine rather than one glass of wine. Mm -hmm. So that's an example where I overindulged. Mm -hmm. I was greedy. Right. So if that's the case... Why did you do that? And consult my chapter on the absence of covetousness and greed, and also the chapter on self-control. Read the commentary and the supporting scriptural references, and that will assist you to understand human nature and how you can rise above that and be more controlled. Well, we
0: have become a very greedy society. We really have. I want to bring this up. And people are, you know, it's maybe because I'm older, I've gotten past a lot of this stuff. But, you know, when you're young, you're envious of what everybody else has. And I think as you get older, you grow out of it. But some people never do, I guess.
1: Well, Life is replete with temptations and distractions. Okay. And um, there's a movie line, I think, from a Michael Douglas movie, um, Wall Street, greed yeah. is good. Yeah, But actually, most of the world's religions consider greed to be one of the uh, deadliest of sins. Mm-hmm. Um, w- readers, I-, I think this becomes apparent as you get older and hopefully wiser.
0: Yeah.
1: But things that you can see with the eye Uh, material things or possessions. They may give you uh, joy and satisfaction and happiness in the short term, but in the long term, you will not find peace and contentment with all the possessions you own. What the eye can see is really of no lasting value. What the eye cannot see is uh, valuable beyond comprehension. Mm -hmm. Peace and contentment come from within. Mm -hmm. It comes from within. Mm -hmm. It comes from developing spiritual treasures of the heart. And as Confucius once said, and I think I've mentioned that quotation in my book, um, with rough rice to eat and water to drink, and one's bent arm as a pillow, one can still be contented. So many people are deceived by that. That is what I call an illusion or delusion of this world. That material things, uh, professional accomplishments can somehow bring you happiness. They do in the short term, but it's very ephemeral, very transitory. The lasting treasures are those that you develop from within you.
0: Right. Very well said. I have to say, honestly, for me personally, and I teach the audience this, but connecting with the divine every day, I have a relationship with God. We're friends. I talk to him every day. You know, we have our thing going on. He you know, like, what, oh, what am I going to do about this? And what am I going to do about that? You know, and mm-hmm. I, when you do that, you become fulfilled. You don't worry that somebody else doesn't love you because you know God loves you. Because he does, or she, or whatever you want to say. You also brought Mother Earth into this, and we'll talk about this too. And I'm really glad you did. Um, I'm just—I'm going to just touch on a few of these because I think it's such a fabulous book. One that I picked out actually with hatred and desire for revenge. The reason I brought this up is, uh, you know, I'm not perfect. And there's been times in my life where I have thought, well, I just will wait and see when they get theirs. And that's not the way to be at yeah. all, <laughs> but we all go through that. Um, and I wrote down in Christianity, it says, love your enemies, bless them who curse you. Um, be good to them who hate you and what I've realized and I want you to expand upon this it's taken me this many years to figure this out but when you love people back who hate you you stop that energy that negative energy you know it's taken me a while to figure this out talk about this man
1: um that that uh, verse that you refer to can also be found in buddhism so it is also a principle of eastern religion right Uh, unconditional love is uh, as you would know is the highest vibrational power or energy in the universe right and if you um if you encounter someone who is cursing you or exhibiting aggression towards you and you return that with love love loving kindness you totally disarm them and i think there's a scripture in islam it's in my book that if you um, bless your enemy and treat them with loving kindness they will become your friend and i
0: wrote down the one that taoism says one should respond to hatred with kindness it's all the same isn't it
1: isn't that interesting yeah um, hatred and aggression are very powerful forms of negative energy Mm -hmm. but they cannot trump unconditional love unconditional love supersedes all including those very strong negative and destructive emotions
0: right and when you tell somebody this it's really hard for people who aren't to this point to wrap their head around you tell somebody to love their enemies they just look at you like you're nuts
1: exactly but we
0: all have to get to this point exactly. where we realize that it's it's not it's about the energy cuz if we don't if we take it on then we take it on if we accept it do you know what i mean if is nasty you
1: attract it to you yes it's, it's the law of attraction Yes. If you uh, give manifest unconditional love towards someone, yeah, they'll absorb that and they'll yeah. return it to you. Yeah. If you manifest hatred and aggression and ill will to someone, that will be returned to you. That's like a law of the universe.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And these and all these things are everything that you put in here, and all these little things that from all the different religions, to me, is universal law.
1: I would like to think so. I believe that. I firmly do.
0: Yeah.
1: And another very important um, chapter in my book, which I think will really elevate one's consciousness is the exercise of self-control, self-restraint.
0: Okay.
1: I mean, that that is part of not retaliating when you're provoked.
0: I know it's hard. You have to really be, you, it, it takes is. more it takes more to to you know yeah. be cool.
1: <laughs> exactly. It's in, instinctive to humans to retaliate in kind. Yeah. But if we want to elevate our consciousness, we must first of all begin by controlling our thought processes.
0: Absolutely. You
1: have to self-edit. Mm. So if you purify the upstream, if you cleanse your mind and control gain control over your mind. That will produce good thoughts, good words, and good deeds. Yes, That's yes. in my chapter on self-restraint or self-control.
0: That's huge. And it's huge because I've had because we all have to reprogram ourselves because we've mm. all learned things from different people or parents or partners in our life and we repeat it. We keep telling that story over and over until we start to realize that we're telling the same story. And in order to change the story, we have to change it in our minds and our words, right?
1: And that is so difficult to do now. I know. So hard to control the mind. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I'll tell you what I was thinking about. Uh, so I had an email yesterday from somebody, and it was kind of a kind of a sharp little snippy email. And years ago, I would have went right back and snipped back. But I thought, nah, it's cool. Let's let that go. And it's it's a matter of it's an evolvement. It takes time. It takes. Practice and working on yourself,
1: you know. Absolutely, get, you know. To <laughs> to done on a daily basis. You have to incorporate it almost as a part of your daily routine.
0: Yes, yes. And as far as you're talking about thinking, you know, um what I'm doing, what I'm doing now, and I just tell the audiences because I really want people to learn this stuff. So. What I've been doing now, when I get a negative thought or something from the past that I don't want to really think about anymore, because I, I believe that sometimes somebody else is thinking about it and we're like antennas and we pick it up. And so what I've realized is uh, when that thought comes in, bring myself back to the present moment, bring myself mm. back to here where I'm at. And that to me, I don't know if that helps anybody out there, but it's it's been working.
1: Uh, actually i have a chapter in my book on living in the present moment right you do you you can't undo the past right so there's no point in worrying about it right we have very little control over our future some but very limited Right. so enjoy the preciousness of the present moment and divest yourself of all of those negative memories and uh, energy
0: yeah let it go well i want to talk about charity You do a chapter on charity and, um, you know, this is something that I feel like people, oh, my cat must like you because she just jumped up here.
1: (laughs) I Um, have two cats and two dogs.
0: That's probably what it is. Uh, You know, it feels like charity has become almost like uh, a business. And that's not what charity is supposed to be. Charity is supposed to be given to somebody because they really need your help you know i see such a large i don't know what's happening over there in australia but here there's a huge homeless population and it's all it's got there's a huge divide it's the wealthy and the poor and the middle is really getting Mm -hmm. it's getting to be where there is no middle you see right and I'm more concerned, and when I think about charity, I think about the homeless, the people sleeping on the street right now, because there's such a divide. What's going on there, and what can you talk about as far as charity goes?
1: It's very much the same in Australia, uh, Nancy. Okay. Okay. Um, The homeless um, problem is growing within Australia, uh, which is really counterintuitive, because Australia, in terms of natural resources and the service industry, is quite affluent. And as you say, uh, charities have become big businesses, yeah. including in Australia. Mm-hmm. And if you watch the television, especially around lunchtime, uh, you'd be amazed at the amount of advertising the charities are undertaking. Well, all that's well and good, but that costs airtime. And if you look at the amount of salaries and administrative costs that these charities um, typically Non-profit. have. Uh, Very little trickles down uh, to the people who need it.
0: Right.
1: But charity um, is in two forms, uh, in my reckoning. It's it's not only material charity, in terms of covering our need for clothing, shelter, and food, Mm -hmm. but spiritual charity as well. And when you give charity... You have to do it with the right attitude, with the right frame of mind. You must thank God for giving you the means to be able to make that act of charity and pray that it will go to the neediest and thank God for the opportunity to do so. But the social uh, and economic gaps are widening in Australia and it's a source of concern for many people here. Yeah.
0: Well, I wrote down, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right. Is it Baha'i?
1: Yes, Baha'i. Okay.
0: Okay. So I wrote from there, they say charity is believed and acceptable before God and is accounted the chief among all good deeds. And I believe that. I think people have forgotten about. um, I'll just say, you know, when you give, don't make a big deal out of it. Don't tell everybody. That's what I've learned. Mm -hmm. And the other thing I've learned is to give, I don't give to big organizations anymore. I give locally. Like I'll give to the local animal shelter or I'll give to the local um, homeless shelter, but I don't give to the big organizations so much anymore because I don't, I hate to say it, but like you said, they're running these big ads. So if they're running these big ads, then where's the money really going, you know?
1: I like what you said, Nancy, there. Um, you you give your charity discreetly and in private. You don't make a big show of it. Right. I mean, the Holy Quran refers to the concept of small acts of kindness. Mm-hmm. And, and they mean so much to God. So if you pass by a homeless person, and you're aware that they're there, that, but you pretend you don't know that they're there, and you ignore them, um, contrast that with passing by and a kind word and a small donation in their begging bowl or their cat. Um, that's a true instance of charity. Mm-hmm. Those small acts of kindness, those are what really matter. In the higher spiritual realms and what we consider important uh, to us in this earthly realm are relatively meaningless in the higher realms
0: yeah and that's the interesting thing is that whatever we do down here makes a difference because it determines what happens to us after this life because there is life after this and i think that it always blows my mind that people think they can take their stuff with them, number one. And that (laughs) that if they were important down here, but they didn't do any good for anybody, they think they're going to be important up there. And it's such a misconception. It just blows my mind that, come on, we're intelligent enough to know this. How did we become such a society that we're not all trying to get to heaven and we're not trying to make our place up there instead of trying to make it down here? It's just crazy, isn't it?
1: Well, Nancy, I mentioned that in my book several times. It's from scripture.
0: Yeah.
1: And essentially, if I can sort of summarize it, um, when our soul leaves our physical body, it cannot take any, anything with us.
0: Right.
1: We have to leave behind our home, our money, yeah. our material possessions, our family, our friends, right. our careers and professional reputations. But one thing we are allowed to take with us is the love that we have manifested towards others. And that that is ours to keep for eternity.
0: That is beautifully said. Yeah. It's uh, I wrote this down as far as Islam goes. Righteousness is this to give of one's wealth for the love of God to kinsmen and orphans, the poor, the traveler, the beggar, and to those in captivity, people who really need it. You know, that's the problem. Everything's backwards right now. It's just like it says in a lot of these scriptures. I wonder what you um, and I didn't read that part. Do you talk about end times where everything's backwards, topsy turvy, where you know, we're not given to the homeless, we're just the rich get richer? I mean, did you address great, did that? Yeah.
1: That's a great question, Nancy. Uh in my book, I did not talk about the end times. I had to throw something at the cat. I'm sorry. That's okay. My my cat misbehaves sometimes too. Um, But in in terms of uh, what I hope to accomplish in in, uh, writing my book, I tried to make it uh, somewhat of a moral and ethical compass. Yeah. Because we do live in an age when truth is dismissed as deceit and falsehood and untruth. Or misinformation and lies are afforded uh, respectable plausibility yeah so uh, each day we are bombarded with so much information mm-hmm. from the mass media from the internet and we as individuals have to process this mm-hmm. and not all of what we're hearing is accurate or complete or true mm-hmm. and i'm hoping that my book and the 36 divine virtues assist readers in making that determination and separating the truth from worldly illusion and delusion.
0: I hope so, too. I really do. That's why I do this show, you know, to try to get people to understand that there's a different way to go. You know, you talk about faith. Faith was a hard one for me. It took, it took a while. Years ago, I finally had I learned about faith But faith is believing in what you can't see. Uh, Buddhism says the wise do not befriend the faithless. That really hit me too. Because years ago, I would have, if somebody would have said, I don't believe in God, I would have still been their friend. And now I don't. Not to be judgmental. But just to, it changes things. Talk about this.
1: Well, you've put it very well. Um, Faith is the belief in something that we cannot objectively prove. Right. But I believe that God is all around us in our daily lives. Uh, We just have to look harder. Mm -hmm. But um, faith is a very personal thing. But if you have faith and you have a strong, unshakable foundation, uh, life will be much easier for you. And I've done some research in the area of near-death experiences as well. Okay. It's fascinating because those who have undergone a near-death experience and come back from beyond the veil and written about what they experienced and what they were told, they actually say that not only was my faith in God confirmed, but I now know it for a certainty Mm-hmm. So, my certainty of knowledge has now superseded uh, my former faith, because whereas now, before I believed, now I know. And it's remarkable because even even avowed atheists who have had this experience have returned and said, "There is a God, and I yeah. know for certain, yeah.
0: You know, I haven't had a near-death experience, but I've had so many things happen that I just, I know, I just know. I know for sure. I don't have a doubt. There isn't a doubt in my mind, and it came. It didn't come from dying and seeing the veil. It came from every time anything ever happened in my life. God always has picked me up and taken me, taken care of me, and made sure. I was good. And, you know, after that happens so many times, you start to have faith that there is a higher power, that there is a force higher than us beyond us. You know what I mean?
1: Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Um, I read your website, Nancy, and I noticed that you have connections with angels. I do. uh, Archangel um, Gabriel. Gabriel. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: This is a clear manifestation of God's presence in our lives
0: yes to
1: be to be um, if we intend for angels to help us and if it's our intention and uh, desire for them to help they will
0: right and many you got to yeah you
1: got to ask
0: yeah. and that's another ask
1: manifestation them. of god it's, it's proof of god's existence that has happened to be many times in my life when i've been assisted by my guardian angel
0: true that's true me too (laughs) and now i mean and, and once you start doing this and i'm so thrilled that you put this together for people because once you start understanding a lot of these different spiritual principles uh and again it's not one religion it's across the board you know it just evolves you get you know i didn't always channel gabriel you know it's just It's it's been an involvement, you know, and as you you connect more with God, you get messages. That's why, you know, I'm psychic, I'm intuitive, but my messages are coming from God. But everybody's psychic. Everybody can connect. Everybody can get the wisdom that is in the higher realms if they want to. You know what I mean? Yes. Everybody can do it. If you don't have, there's nothing special about me.
1: They have to desire it and they have to be determined yes. because the spiritual road is a long and twisting and winding one. Yes. And uh, it takes time. You have to develop patience. Yes,
0: that's true. I want to talk, God, there's so many things in your book. I have to say one thing you wrote, I'm going to, I gotta, I gotta mention this. You talk, this the silly part you talked about the native Americans um, where and what was this about you talked about mother earth you were talking about respect and reverence uh within chapter 23 actually and i wrote this down and you talk about mother earth and you say they say treat the mother earth and all living sentient beings that dwell thereon with respect and to me that's been the biggest thing that we've lost is respect for each other
1: yes <clears throat> yes um The planet Earth, or Mother Earth, um, is our mother. It's our source of sustenance, nourishment. It gives us our orientation. Um, The flora and fauna of nature must be protected, but we exploit it. As a result of greed and rapaciousness, we exploit the planet Earth. And there will come a tipping point, and I think that is soon coming. We must have reverence and respect for all life, Mm -hmm. for all life is sacred. Mm -hmm. And God, my belief, and the belief of many religions is that we can find God in nature, in natural phenomena, that trees and plants, shrubs, animals, Mm -hmm. they have consciousness as well. We are all one. We are all interconnected. We depend on each other survival and growth and nourishment and if any of those things are out of kilter we all suffer if we harm another or if we harm the environment we are harming ourselves mm-hmm. and I don't think um, many people understand that so we have to protect the mother Earth um, it's almost like a pantheistic philosophy that God, it's not only in us, but it's also in nature. Right. And if we if we destroy or tamper with nature, we're upsetting the balance to our peril.
0: Yeah, very well said. You know, some I don't know where I saw this or read it or heard it recently that the birds, when they sing in the morning, the vibration of their song helps the flowers bloom and grow. I
1: can believe that.
0: And I was like, and to me, that was such an aha moment, you know, because everything's energy. Right. And I thought, wow, well, that makes a whole lot of sense. The first thing in the morning, the birds sing. Well, then the flowers. Well, yeah. Okay. And we don't look at things like that because, but that's really how it, how it works. You know, we're never taught these things. Like we're, when we're children, my, my hope is that we teach our children these things when they're young, wouldn't it been great if we knew a lot of this stuff when we were younger? You know what I mean, Douglas? What do you
1: Absolutely, think? Absolutely, nancy yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I have to say that the the indigenous spiritual belief systems have much to say on this.
0: Oh, cool! What the are the,
1: the wisdom of the ancients and the elders, yeah. uh, Native American Indians, Australian Aboriginals, or indigenous people, mm-hmm. known about these things for. Millennia in Australia for 60,000 years, they realize how important Mother Earth is to humanity and to our survival and growth and nourishment. And they respect, they respect and have this wonderful relationship with the planet Earth. Yeah. But in the West, we've lost that uh, by and large. Yeah. There are many conservationists and environmentalists who are aware of these things mm-hmm. as the indigenous uh, elders are but uh, we have to educate more people on that i, I agree with you mm-hmm.
0: yeah if we just if people understood it we're we're not taught properly and it's almost again i'm back to the part where i just feel like the people in charge don't want people the average person to know these things but uh, i'm thrilled that so many people are waking up to these facts, and that's the hope that I have, that there will be a change.
1: Absolutely.
0: You know?
1: Absolutely, Nancy. Mm-hmm. Um, in in my research, I came across um, two um, statements. One was from Václav Haval, who's a famous uh, Czech statesman, I believe he's now deceased,
0: okay. and
1: also Albert Einstein, And both of them said essentially the same thing, that for humanity to learn from its mistakes, it must have a revolution in human consciousness. Right. Because if that revolution in human consciousness or that collective awakening does not occur, then according to the old Chinese proverb uh, we're going to end up exactly where we are now headed. So, I think these are critical times for humanity. And I congratulate and applaud people like yourself and many other light workers who are trying to educate or enlighten or awaken ordinary people right. to these things. Right.
0: And that's what it is. It's every thank you and every you too thank you every little light that goes on you know i've talked to i talked to a lady i'll just tell you this really quick cuz it gave me it gives me hope you know i talked to a lady and she was channeling they called themselves this uh beings of light and mm-hmm. i had her on my show and they I asked them about what's happening and they told me that more and more lights are going on consistently. More and more people are waking up. More and more people are seeing the truth. So I do have hope. Mm -hmm. And I do, I believe we'll make it. I believe we're going to get there. And I believe you and I are going to be part of this. And, and, you know, all the cool people that have, like you said, all the light workers out there who are, you know, Everybody contributes a little bit, you know?
1: I share your optimism, Nancy. (laughs) All of us can make a contribution. And even if we think it's a very small or modest one, it will make a difference.
0: Yeah. Just being kind. Just being decent and nice and kind. We got to get these things back. I'm so glad you came on the show. How long did this take you? This is one of my questions. How long did it take you to put this together?
1: It it took me about a year and a half to research. Uh, I retired about five years ago. Okay. I left behind the secular law, so to speak, and became interested in the divine law. Right. So in the first year and a half or two years of my retirement, I did nothing but read the sacred scriptures of the world wow. religions. Wow. And it took me about six months to write it. I almost had like a stream of consciousness going. I bet. Uh, I, I was aided by my guardian angel, actually. Because okay. every time I hit a roadblock or a mental blank, please help me with the sentence or this word. And it just flowed like that. Mm-hmm. So I i wrote the book in about six months which is relatively quick i think
0: that's very quick you downloaded a lot of it yeah yeah so you work with your angels too see that's awesome and and we all have guardian angels and i want to say that and everybody can work with their angels you just have to recognize them right
1: exactly many people don't realize that they have a guardian angel right but we have at least one possibly more right and if you are aware of their existence and you mm-hmm. want them to help you, they will. Yes. But they will not intervene in your life unless you ask for it. Right. That's part of the the laws of the universe. Exactly. But I've, I've been aided by my guardian angel countless times. And uh, like yourself, I'm in regular contact.
0: Yeah, I she's right no,
1: here. Not to, not to the same extent as you. You you, you are truly gifted. I well, don't have as much those gifts but i'm on the same page with you in terms of angel energy
0: angel energy well i'll just tell you i came in as an angelic soul and so because of that i think that's why i have such an attachment and i work with her every day i ask her everything not everything but you know hey what do you think about this (laughs) and she tells me you know and it's good and sometimes you don't want to hear it (laughs) to be honest with you but um I'm really glad you put this together. I want to know, how has it been received uh, there in Australia? Have you had a lot of people, you know, read it and, and give you wonderful... It, it
1: actually hasn't been released yet, Nancy. Uh, it's oh. due to release in Australia in late August.
0: Okay, We're uh, early then.
1: Yeah. It, no, it has been released in America. Okay. It was released on May 26th.
0: Okay, okay. And it was
1: released in the United Kingdom and Europe on May 26th. Okay um, in, in the first five days of its release, it sold quite well wow. according to the uh, royalty statements but uh, okay. I'm not concerned well, I am concerned about the the sales and royalties right because uh, as I said, charity is about rendering material and spiritual assistance to people right And if my book sells well, which I hope and pray that it will yes, then yes. I'm hoping that that will render spiritual, charity to people uh, to awaken them or enlighten them yes. and all proceeds from my book in terms of royalty payments will go to charities wow. including the homeless charities and charities for the welfare of animals awesome. because like yourself i love animals and i'm concerned about the welfare so i hope to do both material and spiritual charity through the sale of my book
0: I think that's absolutely wonderful. I want to bring something up real quick that I don't think I've ever talked about on the show, but I want people to know that when you do this kind of work, God takes care of you financially. I just want people to know that because you don't have to worry. I think a lot of people worry and I don't... God takes care of us just like he takes care of the birds and all the animals and everything. And if we could just get past the part where we're concerned and just trust
1: yes well then, said nasty yeah I put everything into god's hands Yes. and and i believe i trust
0: yes, yes. i have no okay.
1: worry or anxiety no it will be what will be
0: yes. yes it is how it's supposed to be i'm so glad what do you want to leave us with today
1: uh sort of the key takeaway messages from my book i suppose um Looking at the world's religions, if I had to summarize them in a very concise aphorism, I would say they're all about the golden rule. As Jesus said, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Mm -hmm. And that's recognized in other religions. Mm -hmm. I learned from my uh, researches that unconditional love is the parent of all other divine virtues. Mm-hmm. And the holy scriptures are meant to help us build up positive energy in our lives and to avoid the negative and destructive energies and emotions. Um, we are here to love and serve God by assisting others, both materially and spiritually. hmm It's very important, as I said before, that we purify the mind, good thoughts, good words, and deeds. And it's very difficult to do, but as best you can, detach from the ways of the world and the illusions and delusions. Focus not on the material or physical possessions or gifts, but try to accrue treasures of the heart or spiritual treasures so the the inner beauty because that's what the soul will take with it when it departs the physical body yeah
0: that's where the treasure lies huh within
1: exactly yeah it sure does
0: oh i'm so glad you came and joined us today Douglas this charge charles Hodgson's, and he is yes. here today from australia visiting us wonderful book transcendental spirituality wisdom and virtue the divine virtues and treasures of the heart i'm so glad you came on the high road today i hope you'll come back again
1: my pleasure nancy thank you so much for having me on yes. and congratulations on your good work and your light work thank you and working with people who wish to be enlightened and inspired well thank
0: done you. I appreciate that. If you guys want an angel reading, just go to my website, nancyyearout.com, or if you'd like me to speak at, to your group, I'm doing some speaking events and uh, you can get on my website and uh, check that out too. All right, guys, I want everyone to have a fabulous 4th of July weekend. Everybody be safe out there. Take care and God bless.